Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel 10, uh, verses 20 through 22. So they inquired further of the Lord. They didn't even look around for him. They asked the Lord. They inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes. He's hidden himself among the baggage. Now, I'm sorry. You don't hide yourself among baggage just because you're humble. But if you're scared, you're going to hide yourself so that you don't get anointed king. I believe Saul had fear. And I think as we go through the rest of 1 Samuel and everything we read about Saul, you'll see that he operates much, much, much more in fear than he ever does out of humility. And I think that Saul had fear. Now, I would not ever be dogmatic about that. I'm just joking about that. But I think there's plenty of evidence to support that. Saul will operate in fear many times in the future. And there's a reason for that. We'll get to that. Verse 22. Then Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall and gave them a place at the head of those who were invited. That means an honored place who were about 30 men. Verse 23. Then Samuel said to the cook, bring the portion that I gave you concerning which I said to you, set it aside. This tells us that they set apart this, this portion. It tells us a couple of things. Number one, it's, it's representing the blessing of, of uh, Samuel and his anointing to lead government. He's putting him in that, um, you know, putting him at the head of the table, so to speak. And notice too here, and again, because we, we can compare Samuel to Saul here. Um, Samuel, look at, he, he took God at his word. God told him he's going to find this guy. Guess what he did? He prepared ahead of time because he believed what God said. God told him this guy was going to show up. He prepared this ahead of time, set aside the portion for him. And again, that speaks to us. When God speaks to you, do you go ahead and act as though he's already spoken to you? I think we have to ask ourselves that question a lot of times. Samuel knew that God had spoken to him. When you know God has spoken, do you go ahead and prepare and do and, and act as though he's already done it and prepare what he told you to do? I would have to say a lot of times I don't. But the example of Samuel is, God told me this was going to happen. I'm going to go get this ready so, because I know it's going to happen exactly the way God said. Boy, oh boy, can we look back over this whole journey with the building and ask ourselves, did we always prepare ourselves because we knew what God had told us? Great lessons to be learned. The other thing you notice about Samuel, again, comparing him somewhat to Saul, is that Samuel was not a fearful man. Samuel was truly a humble man. Because remember, Samuel's position as prophet was not only prophet, but he was in essence the last judge of Israel. And remember, as Pastor Michael said, you know, he might have been feeling a little down after God said, you know, you're not going to be the leader anymore. I'm going to give him a king. Even though he knew it was going to be a crummy king. So he might have felt a little rejected. And God even probably knew that because he said, don't worry, Samuel. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So Samuel, this prophet, this man of honor, was humble because he followed every instruction God gave him. And there's no indication here whatsoever that there was any jealousy or envy 
uh, over Saul. Samuel's only job and his only mission was to do what God told him to do. Boy, does that speak volumes to us. Verse 24, Then the cook took up the leg with what was on it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Here is what's been reserved. Set it before you and eat because it's been kept for you. Again, this must have been mind-boggling to Saul until the appointed time since I've said I've invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. Verse 25, When they came down from the high place to the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof. This is kind of really cool. You know, because oftentimes, you know, that intimate conversation would be in the evening on a rooftop. Remember, they had flat roofs, and that's, you know, that's where they had those. And it's almost as though Samuel is already becoming a spiritual father to Saul. Verse 26, And they arose early, and at daybreak, Samuel called to Saul on the roof, saying, Get up, that I may send you away. Now, he wasn't saying this like, all right, get up and get out of here. He was saying, I'm going to send you away, and I'm going to give you your commission here. So Saul arose, and both he and Samuel went out to the street. Verse 27, as they were going down to the edge of the city, Samuel said to Saul, say to the servant that he might go ahead of us and pass on, but you remain standing now. In other words, you know, tell those guys to go ahead of us because I'm going to talk to you alone personally right now. And look at what he says he's going to talk to him about. That I may proclaim the word of God to you. How special is that going to be? You guys, go ahead. Saul, I'm going to tell you what God says. Now again, this is a man who had no relationship to God. So you can imagine that everything he heard was really brand new to him. So God's going to speak to Saul through Samuel. And this is the process that God is going to use to prepare Saul for the job that he is going to do. Now let's just get through this and then we're going to kind of, kind of lay the whole thing out. Chapter 10, verse 1, it says this, Then Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it on his head. And again, oil, every time there's an anointing of oil, that represents the Holy Spirit. So he, he, he pours the oil on his head, he kissed him, and he said, has not the Lord anointed you a ruler over his inheritance? Now, just one little note here. Notice, he has anointed Saul the ruler over what? What does it say? His, not Saul, his, capital H. His, God's inheritance. Saul is to be the caretaker for God. It's God's inheritance, it's not Saul's subjects. And that's an important point for a king of Israel. They are not Saul's property, they're God's property. So let's take all this together now, and I said at the beginning, to kind of filter it through the lens of God's sovereignty and man's free will. So if we take a look back through all of this, we will see all of these parts of God's sovereignty and God's leading in this. One, we can see, first of all, uh, from the very beginning here, God's protection of the tribe of Benjamin all the way back to God giving the barren Hannah a son, whom she then gave back to the Lord. The lost donkeys. I mean, were these donkeys that smart that they could elude Saul all this time? I don't think so. I think God led a donkey. I think God spoke to the donkeys however he did, and he told them, go over here and hide so they can't find you. Go over here and hide so they can't find you, and then go home because they'd already been found. Saul didn't find the donkeys. God was leading them 
and God was leading Saul away from the donkeys. How about the servant knowing that Samuel was near? How about the servant having the one quarter shekel, just enough to have a gift to give? The women were drawing water at just the time they came up here and knew where the seer, the prophet, was. How about Samuel, unlike the predecessors before him, having a relationship where he spoke for God and heard for God, heard from God? How about God speaking to Samuel ahead of time so that the right person would be chosen? This is all God's leading. This is all God's plan. This is all God's sovereignty in the situation. And what was man's will? Well, when the servant said, hey, let's go see the seer, he could have said, nah, let's go home. That's about it. And I think when we're thinking about this debate of God's sovereignty and man's free will, that's a pretty good ratio. I think I got like eight or nine to one here. God does all this stuff and man makes one decision. Okay, let's go. That's pretty much it. That's what it is in salvation. God does the drawing. God gives us the ability to hear his word. God gives us all of these things. And we make one decision out of free will. We decide whether or not we're going to receive the gift that God's promised to us. And that's how it works together. Both are taught. You can't escape it. Now look, you know, was Saul's receiving the gift of becoming a king? Did he do anything to earn it? He did nothing. He didn't even have a relationship with God. What about us? While we were yet enemies of the cross... God gave his life for us. Okay? Saul had no inclination. He was chosen. He was given a free gift. But he did have to take it. He could have hid further in the baggage and they might not have ever found him. He could have said, No, I'm not going to do it. I'm scared. He did have that choice. Now, if you want to argue that man doesn't have a choice, how do you explain that? Okay? He could have said no. I don't know what God would have done, but he could have said no, just like we can say no. It's not a work to receive the gift of salvation. It's not, it wasn't a work for him to do that. It was just, okay, I'll take it. But as we continue to read about Saul, I think it brings up some questions. We have to look at in God's sovereignty. Was Saul God's real choice, or was he just letting the people have what they want? You know, it appears that he was just letting the people have what they wanted. And, you know, sometimes we have to be careful what we ask for because we may just get it. And this is what they were asking for. But with all of that, you know, they got their tall, handsome leader, but, and he was the desire of Israel, but didn't turn out so good with Saul. He certainly looked the part. He looked like what they would want and what they would need and what would work. But as we'll see later on, it doesn't turn out that way. The Apostle Paul, when he was preaching to the Jews in Antioch, said this in Acts 13.20, if you want to write it down, Acts 13.20-22. through 22. He says about this time period, After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish. They asked for a king, and he gave them Saul of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. Verse 22 says this, though. After removing Saul, 
Paul says, after removing, God removed Saul. He made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Of course, God knew that Saul was going to be ultimately a failure. And yet he allowed, in his free will, the people to have what they wanted. We know that ahead of time, God had chosen David to be king. And in essence, to fulfill the word of God, he had to. Because the king, what tribe did the king have to come from? The tribe of Judah. Judah? Wait, wasn't Judah that group of Israelites that protected Benjamin? And you know what's interesting? I told you Jesus is all over here. David, being a foreshadowing of our King Jesus, many times protected Saul. As we'll study through the rest of this book, I want you to take note of how many times David, from the tribe of Judah, protects the Benjamite Saul. So how do we reconcile this? Well, you know, we just have to say God is sovereign. His will, His plan is going to happen. And we get a chance to participate in it. Remember, He warned them ahead of time. He gave them a chance. You know, and I think back to that and I go, what would have happened if they would have said, oh, okay God, we don't want that. You think God would have forced Saul upon him? I don't think so. Maybe David would have become king way earlier than he did. I don't know. But he gave him a chance to repent, but they didn't. So they gave him Saul, the man that they wanted. The other thing that's really interesting about this and that we need to say because people will say, well, then that's not fair. If God knew Saul was going to be a bad king, then why'd he do it? You know, you hear that all the time, right? But you'll notice here as we go through and you'll study this uh, more in 1 Samuel and we're going to look at one section tonight. After all this, after them rejecting God, he gave them what they wanted, but you know what he did? He gave Saul all the tools he needed to be a successful king. Even after all of what they had done, all the rejection, all the rebellion, he is going to not leave Saul hanging so to speak, he's going to give him all the tools he needs to be a successful king. That's an amazing thing to me. Look down to chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. Chapter 10, 5. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambourines, flutes, and harps, being played before them, and they will be prophesying. Notice what's going on here. They're playing, and they're singing, and they're prophesying. What's that called? It's called worship. There was worship going on in this area now. That's awesome. The Spirit of the Lord, this is what Samuel, through God, is telling Saul. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them. And you will be changed into a different person. Remember I said he was a person of fear? God's going to change him into a different person. And that's why I think you'll see at the beginning, he does some good things. He will change you into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hands find to do, for God is with you. In other words, when the Spirit is upon you, you can do what you think is right to do. 
because it's going to be led by me. Does that sound familiar? Wow. When you are, have the Holy Spirit come upon you, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. So you can see God is fair and just. Even though the Israelites got what they wanted, it wasn't really God, what God wanted for them, and that gets into permissive will, which is another whole doctrine uh, that we can argue about. But it seems that God gives a permissive will and he says, okay, you're going to get what you want. But I love you so much, I'm going to give this guy who's had nothing to do with me, I'm going to change him into a different person, I'm going to give him everything he needs to be a good king for you. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Even though God knew what was going to take place. So what happens when you try to reconcile this? Well, it becomes mind-boggling, doesn't it? How are you going to figure out God's sovereignty and man's free will all working to fulfill Romans 8.28? We know what it says in Romans 8.28. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. How many of you guys use that verse all the time? Okay, For most of us, it's our favorite verse. But it's mind-boggling to figure out how God does this. But guess what? He does, does give us a little bit more of a clue in the next two verses, and I think sometimes we should read those next two verses. Maybe we ought to memorize them along with that particular verse. Verse 29 says this, For those God, what? What's it say in your Bible? Foreknew. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. Those he justified, he glorified. And again, we see that God does almost everything in salvation except force you to receive him. Now, why is it predestination? Because God foreknew. I can't do that thing that Michael does as good. But you get the point because you've heard him the last few Sundays. It's God's foreknowledge. We cannot ignore God's foreknowledge. God does the work, we receive the gift. And God, just like he did for Saul, will equip you to do every good work he has called you to do. There's no work that he's called you to do that he will not equip you for. That's why I wrote a book about the spiritual gifts. Because that's a big way that God equips us. And by the way, we're going to have a class again. Sign up for it. Because that's how God equips us to work and do the good works we have. He gives us spiritual gifts and he expects us to use those spiritual gifts. And there's a big difference between Saul and us. Do you know what it is? The Holy Spirit came upon Saul. But we don't see anywhere in, in the Old Testament where it says they were indwelt by the Spirit. I don't believe. I'm pretty sure. There may be somewhere, but I don't think so. Even King David, it talks about all the time the Holy Spirit coming upon him. But guess what? We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit when we come to Christ. We have the Holy Spirit 24-7. His power is there for us to call upon any minute, any moment of any day of our life. We get even more than Saul received. But the Bible teaches us this. And again, here's where free will comes in. The Bible says that we must walk in the Spirit, not the flesh, in order to fulfill what the Spirit wants us to fulfill and not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. Is that a choice? Let me ask you. 
Do you have a choice whether or not you're going to walk in the Spirit each day of your life? You have free will. You could get up in the morning and say, God, I'm not walking in the Spirit today because I feel like being in the flesh. How many of you have done that? I have. How many of you got something happened and you just go, okay, God, I'll be with you in five minutes, but for these five minutes I want to whine and feel sorry for myself and I just want to be in the flesh. And then five minutes later you're, I'm so sorry, God. I repent. We have a choice. That's our free will. We can either surrender ourselves to the leading of the Spirit or we can ignore or we can cover our ears when the Spirit is trying to speak to us. And when we fail, get this, hear me well, when we fail, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Oh. Oh, I thought maybe one of you guys had a question. All right. Well, I had a few more things to share with you here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up. I, I want you to think and compare the two Saul's of the Bible. The first Saul, no relationship with God, but then he meets God in a way and God says he'll change him into a different person. But as we study the rest of this book, you'll find that he does not finish. And he does not finish well. And he does not continue to follow the Lord. The second Saul, when God knocks him off of his donkey, who wasn't lost, and God changes his life, he surrenders his life totally and completely. And we can see the difference between a king who we will see uh, in essence becomes a failure and the new Saul who writes two-thirds of the New Testament who says at the end of his life, I have run my course, I have finished the race and could look forward to meeting with the Lord and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the choice that we make every single day of our life. So I hope that you've made that choice. And if tonight you have never made that choice, I hope that tonight you will make that choice to surrender your life to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for this evening and thank You for the worship that You gave us uh, and, and, the, and the last song, Lord, that we have because it's a great message to us. Lord, we thank You for the Word that You speak to us. We thank You how... Jesus, you are all over the Old Testament showing us who you are and how much you love us and care for us. How willing you are, Lord, to, to do so much for us and all that you ask of us is to say, yes, I surrender. I surrender to you, Lord. And Lord, if there's anyone here tonight that hasn't done that, I pray that even right now they would do this. And if that's you tonight, then just repeat after me if it's coming from your heart. Uh, God, I know that you're real now. I know that I have sinned against you. I want to turn away from my sin and I want to follow you. Lord, I receive you into my heart tonight as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you, God, that you love and care about me so much that you were willing to die for me and to give me all the things I need to be able to follow you, to indwell me by your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And Lord, for everyone else who is looking at this saying, yeah, I haven't been surrendering lately. I've been that one whining and being in the flesh. I pray for them tonight, Lord. Would you fill them with the power of your spirit tonight? Would you renew them, refresh them? Lord, for those that have a burden on their heart tonight, would you speak to them? Would you uncover their ears, Lord? 
as they ask you to speak to them, would you speak to them words of comfort and joy? God, we thank you for all that you, again, all that you have done here in this body. We pray that you would continue, Lord, to grow us in you, to teach us and mold us, and, and Lord, help us to apply all that we learn in studying your word. And we'll give you praise and glory for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. Maybe you've gone through a loss. Now maybe you don't look the way you used to look or feel the way you used to feel and you think, well, I've lost value now. I can't perform the way I used to perform. So all your value was attached to your job performance or your athletic prowess or how you looked and something's happened to you. I think I'm talking to someone specifically right now. Something's happened to you and you, your value had been set up completely on that thing that you did and now you wonder am I the same person does God love me the same way you know the world might put you a a rung or two lower but God doesn't God loves you for you you know sometimes it's hard for us folks to understand that God is not loving us based upon performance if he did he wouldn't have brought us into his kingdom in the first place he loves you for you he died for you while you were yet a sinner and if you don't know him and you're listening right now maybe for the first time to Christian radio maybe you've been a secret Christian radio listener (laughs) you don't want anybody to know maybe you're part of another religion maybe all your friends are atheists or agnostics and here you are there's a hunger in your soul You know this is true. You've been listening to it for a while. You know the Bible's alive. You know Christ is real. But you haven't settled it yet. You're worried about the outside instead of the inside. Let me tell you, the Bible says God will change you from the inside out. We tend to be people who work from the outside in. God says, no, you give me your heart. You love me with all that you are. I'll do the rest of the work. You seek my kingdom and my righteousness first, and I'll add all those other things to you that you worry about. Open up your heart, my friend. He will come in. He will change you from the inside out. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible, and we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org.